1: Beatles, Yesterday and Today, 1967, Part 6, September 8th through December 31st.
2: Boys, you, uh, you're not splitting up. Oh, no, you're no, staying no. together, but there, there will be no more of we we'll never is. split up, you know. I mean, even when we're dead, we we're <laughs> never split up.
3: Right? We just keep going, you know. But there's no more of the teeny bopper shout-and-screaming concerts where you can't be heard. Not that I can, uh, you know, I don't imagine, so
1: On September 8th at Studio 3 in EMI Studios London, Flying, which went under the working title Aerial Tour Instrumental, was more than just the Beatles' first instrumental release by EMI. It was also the first song to be composed jointly by all four members of the group. The session included a jazzy saxophone recording at the end of the song, seemingly copied straight from an unidentified modern jazz record. Take Six saw the introduction of three separate organs, recorded, and then played backwards on separate tracks. John added the Mellotron track, and the four Beatles overdubbed a scat chant.
4: On September 11th, work begins on the Magical Mystery Tour film, with a coach trip to Devon, Somerset, and Cornwall, and with scenes on an airfield in Westmalling, Kent. To get the actors, we
5: looked through the actor's book, the spotlight, or whatever. Oh, we need someone like that, someone like that. And we needed the large lady uh, as my auntie, because I was going to play this person with his auntie.
6: Paul McCartney. The whole idea of making films yeah. is good, or well, a good one I like. But no, I don't mean sort of very big, expensive films, no, but really. films that you sort of just make because you fancy making a film. Yeah. You know, and I mean, when you're kids, you sort of say, let's play a game.
7: Yeah.
6: But when you've got sort of money to do things like that, to play games with almost, you know, yeah. um, you can do the same things you did as a kid, and it's great, but you can do them, you know, on a, on a different level completely. Yeah. And, and so, for instance, it'd be great just to say, I'd like to make a film, you know. On
8: September twenty seventh, the Apple Publishing Company was formed. Apple already existed. Only an Aspinall. You know, it was. Uh, I think it was a publishing company on, uh, in an office on Baker Street.
1: On October second, at EMI Studios in London, between ten p.m. and two thirty a.m., the Beatles set to record a new song. Take
7: one.
4: On October 7th, it's reported that Ringo Starr is to have a solo acting role in the Hollywood film Candy, and that the Beatles have turned down a million-dollar offer from U.S. promoter Sid Bernstein, the man who first brought them to America.
8: On October 7th, the Beatles turned down a million-dollar offer from Sid Bernstein for a single concert. On October
4: 17th, 1967, the Rolling Stones deny that they are forming a business partnership with the Beatles. On October 18th, John attends the premiere of Dick Lester's film How I Won the War, in which John plays his first solo film role.
1: On November 22, 1967, George Harrison recorded a song with the band called the Remo Four for inclusion on the movie soundtrack album Wonderwall. Peter Talker the Monkees attended these sessions and played tambourine. Incidentally, the founder of the Remo Four, Colin Manley, was a schoolmate of George and Paul's. With George on backing vocals and guitar, here is the song, In the First Place. Yeah.
8: And on November the 24th, a new Beatles single was released in Britain. Parlophone releases the Beatles' 16th single, Hello, Goodbye, and I Am the Walrus. And two days later, it came out in America. The Ed Sullivan
1: Show, 1967.
2: We brought the Beatles to America in 1963. Now, they can't be with us in person on our show December 10th, when CBS and Mayor Lindsay are going. will be naming this theater after our show. But they sent this table from London... And I'd like to read it to you. Dear Ed, winter has come once again to our Great Britain. We sit by our fires, warming our feet. Stop, we send all love to you and everyone looking in. We are happy to be on your show. You too. You too. Stop, have a beautiful Christmas and a sincere New Year. Love, the Beatles. Now, is signed by John Lennon, Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, and George Harrison. But uh, tonight, although they can't be here, here are the Beatles on field. Guys, who prepare that for us? Incidentally, hello goodbye is their
4: latest hit record. The B-side, I am the Walrus, is a definite nod to Lewis Carroll's The Walrus and the Carpenter. The conception of the song came while John listened to an English police car siren passing his home in Surrey during the night. The hypnotic rhythm, one note up, one note down, stayed with him, and eventually the words developed around it.
9: And now
5: we're going to play a track from. uh... Magical Mystery Tour, which is one of my favorite albums because it was so weird. And uh, it's Eye on the Walrus. It's also one of my favorite tracks because I did it, of course, but also because it's one of those that has enough little biddies going to keep you interested even a hundred years later. piano and drums and things then we put the bass on separate Mm. and uh, then we put the musicians on and then when we were remixing we had all the voices which we just brought in
8: bury my body and give the letters which thou findest about me to Edmund Earl of Gloucester seek him out upon the British party oh untimely death
4: death the result was one very peculiar pop song
1: On November 25th on the BBC Radio 1 edition of Where It's At, John and Paul were featured. Paul recorded a special jingle for the hosts Kenny Everett and Chris Denning while John gave an interview.
10: Of just talk, I'm sure it would be very successful. You know, kind of this same kind of idea, but selling it instead of. Uh, Yeah, I think we, you know, if we sort of get
5: this studio which we're trying to get together, Mm. there might be all sorts coming out. Really, is that really? I thought that was just a built-up publicity thing in one of the music papers. No, 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 no. We never do anything for that. No, I
10: don't mean from you. I mean from uh, from the music paper. You
5: know, from them. No, (laughs) no. It's just something in the air. You know, we'd like to build a studio or make one. Are you anywhere near starting it yet? Lots of talks, Ken, lots of talks.
0: In November 1967, Beatles Limited changed its name to Apple Corps Limited with former road manager Neil Aspinall, the managing director. Now to the outside world, the first evidence of Apple appeared that summer on the back cover of the Sgt. Pepper LP jacket. Among the credits in the lower right, it reads, Cover by MC Productions and the Apple. Later in 67, the Beatles TV special opened with... Apple presents The Beatles in songs and music from a color television film called Magical Mystery Tour. Behind the scenes, the Apple saga really began when The Beatles' accountant, Harry Pinsker, told them they were making too much money. The way the British tax laws were set up, the band would wind up handing most of it in the neighborhood of 2 million in 1967 English pounds, over to the government. John, in fact, considered his wealth more of a burden than anything else.
5: The more you get, you know, you either hang on to it like a like a maniac, like those people do, and spend the rest of their lives and they die with it, you know, and, and you know all that rubbish, or you realize where it's at. And it is nowhere, and you don't, you know, it, it, I've got it all, folks, listening to the adverts about cars, and it's nowhere, man, I'm just the same, you know. I'm just the same as I was. I'm just lumbered with the responsibility of having all this material that the government hounded me for tax, that the accountant never got, the accountant hounding me for money I gave to relatives, dogs, anybody that came round. So because of all this, this scene I created for myself, I was saying to him, oh man, couldn't I just, what can I do, just get rid of it all? All I want is somewhere to live a bit of land or something to grow some macrobiotic food on and get this off my back. But even that's pretty hard. At Apple, we wanted to set up a charity foundation. You can't just set up a charity foundation like that, me boy, you've got to get some earned income that comes through here through Malaya to go to. You know, you can't just, the more you get, the more
0: hassle it is. You know. Well, their business people told them that the only way John, Paul, George, and Ringo could beat the tax man was to plow their dough right back into their business. And the Beatles decided that if they had to play this establishment game, they were going to operate by their own rules, which were not of this material world.
5: Yeah, I mean, just to have control of our own records as a bit, but we still have the tie-up with EMI, so we have to do that anyway. But just to channel some things through, you know, to have some kind of just for the workers and we are the workers to control what we put out that's all we're trying
0: to do at the time Alastair taylor was general manager of nems the management organization run by brian epstein and to a much lesser degree brian's brother clive taylor remembers the beatles basic outline for apple
3: the very basic idea was that business was to be fun it was still to be business profits had to be made But not excessive profits, no rip-offs in other words. Why be greedy? But why have to sit with grey suits behind a desk, uh, being all po-faced and and, and angry with people and, and arguing and bartering? Why not just sit round and tell the truth and make money at the same time? Which I get laughed at, even by my own wife, because I believe it could have worked. Um, With the right, because even that's still got to be controlled. But it was a beautiful philosophy, and I still maintain that if they had handled it right, it could have worked, and it could have been a
0: phenomenal uh, thing in the business. It could have been a revolution in business. Alistair Taylor says that developing the Apple concept gave the band something to do after Brian was out of the picture.
3: I think the boys flung themselves into it with the vigour that they did because of Brian's death. You know, it was an incredible blow. It took a long time, I think, to realise that he wasn't there anymore. So we, we started really hard, hard work on Apple and creating this mythological thing. The original conception of Apple was in fact to open up a chain of shops and we formed what was laughingly called the Executive Board which was the four boys, Neil, Aspinall, myself, um, a very straight lawyer, and Clive Epstein. Um, And as I say, the boys dived into this wholeheartedly, and from that developed something much more. It turned
4: into this gift to mankind, almost. On December 4th, 1967, Ringo flies to Rome to begin filming Candy, in which he plays a Mexican gardener. Meanwhile, the same day, back in London, the Beatles open their Apple boutique at 74 Baker Street, London. It's managed by Pete Shotton, John's friend and former quarryman from Liverpool. I was living on Hailing Island, I had the business that John had lent me the money to
11: set up and I was quite happy down there, I was well organised, I used to go up and visit John stay with him every weekend virtually when he was home and then one day we were just sitting on the floor together rapping away and out of the blue he said to me, because Apple had already just been started right it had just been set up, and he said to me uh, well when are you coming up to London then Pete? and I said I'm not coming up to London, what are you talking about? and he said come up and join Apple you know and I said, well, what, what do, I do I don't want to do that for? You know, I, what would I do in Apple? And he said, oh, you'd do anything. You know, we're opening a boutique. Why not have a go at that? Or we're, you know, doing other things. If you don't like that, do something else. It doesn't matter. Just change around. As long as we can hang around together more, that's all that matters. Come on up. And I said, oh, well, I'll have to think about it, you know. Um, I don't really know, you know, I'm not sure.
0: Shotten still wasn't sure a week later when he saw John and Paul at McCartney's place.
11: When I walked in, the two of them were there and they came straight over, both threw their arms around me. And Paul said, oh, it's great that you're coming up here. Right, and I thought hello, and then Neil Aspinall came on, and he said, "Oh, fantastic, you are coming up, you know?" And I thought it's fate complete. It's time to make my decision for me.
0: Well, Schotten went to town for his first Apple Corps Limited board meeting, and instead of running just the Apple clothing outlet, which specialized in the outlandish psychedelic costumes of the day, Pete wound up in charge of Apple's entire merchandising division.
11: I was trapped into it by John with one of his master strokes as usual, his little games that he played. Um, I I, had to go to a board meeting, and a board meeting was arranged so that I would go and meet the people involved in Apple, as I thought, just meeting these people. And I'd stayed at John's uh, the previous night. Um, The next day, I went up from his house I um, walked in, I had all the, the gear, I was wearing all the bells and the caftans and all that gear at the time. And I walked into a room of a great big board ta- room, right, with this enormous table, with all these people sitting around in business suits, like bankers and lawyers, like the top people that were employed by them at the time. And... Uh, uh, all these people around the table and a few people that i knew like terry doran and alistair taylor who uh, had been around the beatles and nems for a while and i was late as usual um as is my wont. and i sat down and it, i realized that everybody had been waiting for me and clive epstein said to me well introduce me to everyone right and then uh, he said to me well pete you'll know all about what's happening at apple and what's it all about right and i said no i haven't got a clue he said, oh, well, hasn't John told you that? And I said, no, he hasn't told me anything about it. You know, I thought that you maybe you guys would fill me in. So, like, everybody cleared their throat and looked a bit embarrassed and that. And then Clive Epstein said to me, uh, well, Pete, what we thought we'd do is a series of greetings cards, and we thought the boys would do the little poems for instance. And I thought... Hello, what's this? You know, what's going on here? <laughs> and somebody else said something just as insane, right? And it was like a very embarrassed situation. And then gradually, the things that were said... And I said something or other, which I thought was just similar. Everybody said, oh, yeah, terrific, fantastic. You know, and Terry Doran turned around to me. and said, oh, it's great to have you, here. As, as you see, Pete, you know, it's terrific that you're here. You know, we obviously need someone to put this whole thing together. And I thought, you know, what, the, what, what am I? And I realized I'm in charge of not doing anything. I'm in charge of the whole operation. I'm supposed to be in charge of the whole operation. So everybody, when this realization came... Everybody as quickly as possible shook hands with me, congratulate me and shot out the door as fast as they could to get out of it and in the eventually I was just left completely alone in this room
0: playing with my thumbs After recovering from the shock, Pete drove over to John's place in Weybridge I stormed in John I said, "What the hell's going on John
11: I'm in charge of the whole lot and he just fell her out on the floor and he said yeah that's right he said you're in charge of everything I said I can't do all this I said I'll just run a little shop down and Halen no, on you want me to run ICI or RCA or whatever you'd call it over here right and he said yeah it doesn't matter he said it's great he said look all, all it is he said we've got a load of money, millions of pounds that we've got to pay to the tax man. If we don't pay to the tax man, it, it, we, we can have an alternative. We can use it to do a business thing, right, put it into business, or we pay it to the tax man. So why don't we pay it, why don't we use it for business, have a bit of fun, you know, try and make a, a go of it, okay, but if it works fantastic, if not, it doesn't matter, because all we have done would have done is paid to the tax man anyway, so we're on a two-time win, it doesn't matter. So, you know, we had a laugh about it. I thought, well, you know, you know, it's your money, John. I said, you know, if you want me to play around with it, that's
8: all right with me. When the Beatles open a shop in Baker Street, everything slows down. (laughs) A rolling stone's throw from Orchard Street, it's The Apple, the Beatles' new boutique. It's a new kind of boutique
5: in Baker Street catering for specialized tastes.
8: George and John described their new
5: venture as a kind of psychedelic Garden of Eden for lovers of hippie gear with
8: all the trappings of beautiful living. On sale will be books, jewellery, paintings and hippie clothes, as well as furniture.
2: Apart from the loony clothes and the uh, kind of hippie flower power stuff, there was supposed to be, you know, all kinds of, like, different music, which now they'd call world music, you know. We have selling... That's what we we're supposed to do, and sell all these books about various things that we were into various art or spiritual things and incense and you know whatever all that kind of stuff it kind of looked quite good after explaining that george thought
5: he'd take it easy he was lucky he could find the chair so he settled back to listen to the latest
6: kind of shopwarming music as played by the group who designed the store they call themselves the fool the building was very nice. The council and the, the the painting was gorgeous. The fool did that. There was a group of artists, uh, basically from Holland, put this beautiful big mural on the wall, and uh, the council got all the knickers and the twist and said, "No, you've got to paint it white again." We said, "Are you kidding? It's beautiful. Everyone loves it." Some residents probably objected. Mm. So then we were going to project it, paint it white, and project it from the opposite thing. You know, we It was all full of that. It were good ideas, you know.
5: They thought it was divine, like everything else in the three-story psychedelic supermarket.
8: To mark the opening, the proud owners gave an apple juice party. John Lennon and George Harrison were the hosts. The other two Beatles were out of town. Paul's in Liverpool and Ringo's in Rome. Disc jockey Alan Freeman talking to Scylla Black. A later arrival, Richard Lester, director of the Beatles films among a whole host
0: of the in crowd, Apple originally had four divisions. Retail and wholesale merchandising, including the infamous Apple clothing store with John's boyhood pal Pete Shotten calling the shots. Then there was music publishing and recording with Ron Cass, appointed president of Apple Records and the head of Apple Publishing, the first Apple company. Apple Films was headed by Dennis O'Dell. And the Apple Electronics division was the domain of one John Alexis Mardis, whom John called Magic Alex. At the time, Magic's father held a high post in the Greek military dictatorship. Alex promised no end of electronic inventions if he could just get a little financing. Alistair Taylor recalls how Lennon hired him away from NEMS about that time to become general manager of the entire Apple organization. When Brian died,
3: Clive asked me would I stay on as general manager. Obviously, I, I did, no question of it. But it was a very... A very sick scene in NEMS, because um, Clive had really had no direct connection with the company. I mean, he was a director of NEMS, but I mean, he he didn't bother at all with the day-to-day. And we had all the infighting of everybody, you know, people like Vic Lewis and Robert Stigwood all trying to um, grab what they could. And I was I was very unhappy. And the boy spotted this. Lennon himself actually rang me and said. You know, would you, you're pissed off? And I said, yeah, very. And he said, okay, come on over to Apple, be general manager of Apple, because I'd set, helped set Apple up in the first place. Before Brian died, we were, we were setting up this company which became Apple. So I, I then moved out of NEMS and, and took over as
0: general manager of Apple until 1969. And then there was Derek Taylor, no relation. He'd been the Beatles' press officer between 64 and 66 when he fled to Hollywood. There he did press for the Birds, the Beach Boys, and just about everyone else on the scene. Taylor was lured back to London by an offer to become Apple's press officer. Derek recalls how the utopian Apple concept was presented to him. It was to run a brand new company in a, in a brand new way and have some fun and hire
3: your friends and make some money, sell some records, and some clothes by the fool and so on make some inventions the original ideas that was put to me was that we'd buy they would buy an estate and we would all live on it there'd be a big dome in the middle which would be apple and then there'd be four corridors leading to four large houses one for john paul george and ringo and around the estate there'd be other houses that sort of a gardeners domes and we'd live in there and one way or another a good time would be had by all You know, I mean, it had a lot of
2: ideas of we could do this and we could do that, but when it came down to it, really, the only thing we could do was write songs and make records and be Beatles successfully.
8: On December 8th, 1967, the Beatles released the Magical Mystery Tour EP Package, two elongated 45 RPM
0: records containing five new pieces. A 32-page cartoon book accompanied the discs. Just a few weeks ahead of the big world premiere telecast on the 26th, while Capitol Records issued their Magical Mystery Tour album. That was a lavish Gatefold LP sporting a 24 page full color picture book, along with a disc featuring the six movie songs plus four from the previous two singles Strawberry Fields Forever, Penny Lane, All You Need Is Love, and Baby You're a Rich Man, and Hello Goodbye. The records, of course, were immediate hits.
8: There was a couple of good songs.
0: The whole idea
8: of the film was Paul's, and so his songs dominate the two records. The title track, written
4: by him, opens with fanfare trumpets and a strong piano. piece was also written by Paul,
6: Fool on the Hill. I just wandered off to France and did that um, Fool on the Hill stuff. Just one morning with a couple of mates, you know, it
4: wasn't quite union. All the recorders and flutes heard on the piece were played by Paul. He may have been trying to impress Jane Asher's mother, who taught recorder at the Guildhall, a famous British school of music. Incidentally, Mrs. Asher taught George Martin when he attended there. There's also a bass harmonica played, probably by Mal Evans. John and George Harrison are also playing harmonicas. It's a beautiful melody in the true Paul McCartney tradition.
7: Day after day, alone on a hill. The man with the foolish grin is keeping perfectly still. But nobody wants to know him. They can see that he's just a fool. And he never gives an answer But the fool On the hill Sees the sun going down And the eyes In his head See the world Spinning round Well on the way Head in a cloud A man of a thousand Perfectly loud, but nobody ever hears him or the sound he appears to make, and he never seems to notice. what the fool on the hill sees the sun going down and the eyes in his head see the way.
8: next piece was also written by paul it was used for the busby berkeley dance routine in the film
12: paul's popular cut off the album was fool on the hill before veering toward vaudeville
8: again with your mother should know paul's penchant for the vaudevillian touch continues and it was probably for all the mums and dads at christmas Ooh,
7: let's all get up and dance to a song i uh-huh.
4: was the first and only Beatles instrumental.
12: This high-flying instrumental
4: marks the first credited collaboration of the Lennon-McCartney-Harrison star foursome. Featuring a brand-new British invention, the Mellotron, a keyboard with pre-recorded tapes of horns, strings, voices, and other instruments. The Moody Blues used it extensively on their albums from 1967 on. The voices chanting on the track are the Beatles. The track features George on Fender Stratocaster guitar and John playing the Mellotron. (laughs) I did it.
0: The other tunes were George Harrison's Blue Jay Way and Lennon's I Am the Walrus. John's
4: I Am the Walrus was also included because of its impact in the film. Two recorded tracks, Shirley's Wild Accordion and Jesse's Dream, never made the collection of the two EPs. On December 11th, while on holiday with Jane Asher at a Scottish farm, Paul tells a reporter, we shall get married. I think everyone knows this, but when, we don't know. On December 15th, right on time, the Beatles fan magazine releases their 1967 Christmas message. It's called, Christmas Time is Here Again. Produced by George Martin, it features some fine tap dancing from Ringo and their actor friend, Victor Spinetti. John bangs out the beat on timpani drum, Paul plays piano, and George Martin plays organ.
7: Interplanetary mix stage 444 Green!
6: Boys arrive at BBC House.
8: What do you want? We, we have been granted permission, permission oh wise one. <gasps> Pass in peace. Christmas
13: time is here again. Christmas An audition will be held at 10 a.m. Wednesday, the first in the fluffy rehearsal rooms. Bring your own.
14: Would over here be convenient for you? Carry on. Over here. Are you 30 then? Next, please.
2: <laughs> get us
13: for your
6: trousers. Get us for your hair. Sitting with me in the studio tonight is a cross-section of British youth. I'd like first of all to speak to you, Sir Gerald.
5: Oh, not a bit of it. We had a job to do, Michael.
6: Uh, yes, yes, quite. I don't think you're answering my question.
5: Oh, uh, let me put it this way. There was a the job to be done. <laughs> Christmas time is here again. Ooh,
7: Christmas time! Is
2: here again. On to the next round. <laughs> In the recent heavy fighting near Blackpool, Mrs G Evans of Solihull was gradually injured. She wants, for all the people in hospital, plenty of jam jars by the ravelers. And here it is.
7: Plenty of jam jars.
13: Old are you? Thirty-two.
7: Ooh.
13: Oh, never. I am. Get away. I am. Well, what prize have you got your eyes on? I have. Ooh. Ooh. Well, you've just won a trip to Denver and five others. Oh, thank you. And also, wait for it. You have been elected as independent candidate for Paddington. Oh, yourself and...
5: Your... Theatre Hour is brought to you tonight from the arms of someone new.
7: Hello, I'm speaking from a cold oh. Hello?
2: Hello, operator? Hello? Operator? I've been cut
7: off! Africa, I've been, I've been, hello, it's an emergency!
15: Uh,
8: They'd like to thank you for a wonderful year.
6: We'd like to thank you for a wonderful year.
2: Thank
7: you
13: for a wonderful year. Carry on. Carry on. Look out yourself. Come in. When Christmas time is over and your bunny play us through
5: have' will be bristling to you
13: people.
5: All the best from me to you. When the beastie brag mutton to the heather in the land, and little hen, and ye strutten out my tether to your arms once back again.
1: On December 21st, six days before the anticipated TV debut of the Beatles film Magical Mystery
15: Tour, there was a launch party at London's Royal Lancaster Hotel. Cynthia Lennon remembers. It was an extravagant fancy dress affair, and I wore a crinoline dress, like something on a chocolate box, while John went as a greased-up leather-clad teddy boy. He had invited his father, Alf, to come, and they got very drunk together. It wasn't a happy evening. I became more and more upset as John flirted with other women, including Patty, who was seductively attired as a belly dancer. Lulu was outraged on my behalf, and shouted at John that he should be ashamed of himself. It made me smile, despite my wounded pride, to watch her, dressed as Shirley Temple, giving teddy boy John a dressing down. The evening ended with John and Alf dancing drunkenly together,
8: And on Christmas Day, Paul and Jane Asher announced their engagement. The following day, 13 million people watched the world premiere of Magical Mystery Tour on television. It was not a success.
4: On December 26th, Boxing Day, the Magical Mystery Tour film is shown on the BBC. They reportedly have paid £20,000 for screening rights. It is seen by 13 million viewers. But The Beatles' home movie was not well received. We then released it, got it shown on the BBC... On Boxing Day.
6: And, uh, of course, they showed it in black and white. And so it was hated.
5: You know, they all had their chance then to say they've gone too far. Who do they think they are? What does it mean? If you look to your left, ladies and gentlemen, the view is not very inspiring. Ah, but if you look to your
4: right... The Daily Mirror in England says if they weren't the Beatles, the BBC would not have
8: fallen for it.
5: So that was really slated, but of course, when people started seeing it in color...
8: It was shown again on January 5th, 1968. Uh, they realized
5: that it was was a lot of fun, you know, especially that aerial ballet shot. You
4: know, we went all over Iceland and sent a guy out filming. The Beatles brought back their old friend Victor Spinetti to act a part in the movie. That
8: film, um, Magic Mystery Tour, is really a teaching film. And should be shown at universities and colleges because it teaches what it teaches is to celebrate the fact that you are alive it's a celebration it is like a roman catholic mass you celebrate every day that you're alive and that was their celebration and that's what magic and mystery told us about we're all on a mystery trip we don't know who we are and the journey is to find out who it is that is this thing, and how much love can we give? Why?
4: Paul, who conceived the idea while on a plane trip back to London from Los Angeles, tells another British newspaper, We goofed. My dad brought the bad news into me this morning like the figure of doom. Perhaps the reaction is right. Perhaps we're right. We have to wait and see.
14: That night, cutie called a She left her east side room so driver She went out on the town No one will make her love a frown Death cat for Death cat for Someone's, Someone's gonna gone. Care was racing through the night. Baby, his eyes in the mirror, keeping cutie in sight. Uh Baby, when he saw cutie, it came a threat. Don't you know, baby, curves can kill? It's gonna make you pay your fare Today Slip and sliding down a Highway 31 mm-hmm. Baby, do it. The traffic lights changed from green, green to red The drivers of solve, but they both wound up dead Death Cab for Cutie Death cap, Cutie Someone's gonna make you pay your fare Oh.
0: Taylor says he thinks magical mystery tour failed because it was one long in joke nobody but the Beatles and those around them could understand I enjoyed it I liked it but it was I must
3: confess it became a vehicle for all the in jokes that we all knew about I mean and I can remember even my wife we sat and watched it and I'm fallen about laughing and she literally just said, she said well what are you laughing at what you know and I realized I had to explain it because I knew what the joke was and she's got an identical sense of humor to me but it just meant nothing to her so it meant nothing to the critics or to the public but we're all of us in apple you know and and in in the business we were falling about because we knew what they were on about i mean some of those scenes with spinetti and whatnot um and it was a a very it turned into a, a very undisciplined that was the other thing you know because they all thought they could direct it better and uh And then all sorts of things went wrong. But um, it, it was still fun. Beyond the blue horizon,
5: far above the clouds, in a land that no one knows, live four or five magicians who spend their days casting wonderful spells.
13: Come with me now into that secret place where the eyes of man have never set foot.
2: There's a few funny scenes. I mean, the scene that, to me, that stands out is the one of John shoveling the spaghetti onto the fat woman's plate. Uh, I mean, that was the best bit of the movie for me.
15: All this mud in 45 minutes. I can hardly get my breath.
6: That was an actual dream he'd had. And so he'd come in, you know, and he'd say, hey, I had this wild dream last night. I'd like to do it. I'm a waiter. You know, and so we just put them
2: in. I remember um, quite a bit of it, really, in the big hangar down in Kent. We were driving around this airfield in the uh, Mini Cooper. Your mother should know. That was quite interesting. I quite enjoyed that. And that was a magical mystery tour.
5: I told you. Goodbye.
12: The Magical Mystery Tour was the group's attempt at cinematic collaboration. It was also criticized as a dismal failure. Their own life and times fantasy, directed by Paul McCartney, was the group's first fall from favor. The reasons, too little organization, an understanding of the work involved, and too
6: much free reign. I ended up kind of directing it, even though we said, well, the Beatles are directed at the end just because I was there most of the time and all the late night chats with the cameramen about what we're going to do tomorrow would tend to be me rather than the others.
15: John called it the most expensive home movie ever. And privately, he blamed Paul.
12: In the meantime, the Beatles would limit their on-screen activities to solo efforts like John in How I Won the War and Ringo with Brando and Burton in Candy. Strange that George wasn't appearing on the silver screen considering his 1964 ambitions. Uh,
2: I think I'd like to make more movies, um, because we did en- we enjoyed that last film, the first one. And uh, I think we'll all like to make more movies, and um, <coughs> I'd like to try and, uh, a bit of producing for records. but we you know there's nothing definite so far. you know we' we'll just carry on as we are for the time being.
4: On December 27th, Paul appears on the David Frost program and says he thought the film was badly received because people were looking for a plot, but there wasn't one.
10: Thank you kindly, thank you, good evening, and welcome. Uh, It's been clear to us today that really there's been one main controversy in Britain today. It wasn't wars anywhere or anything else. It was the uh, differing views on one television program last night on a channel known as the BBC. Uh, The Beatles' music brings unanimous enthusiasm and approval pretty well. Last night their television show did not bring unanimous enthusiasm and approval and everyone seems to have been discussing it today. Here is the man, most responsible, Mr. Paul McCartney. Good evening, Mr. McCannum. Uh Why don't you think that the critics like this film? I don't know, Yeah, They just didn't seem to like it. I, I quite liked it myself. Well, I liked it. I, I saw it. I didn't see it last night because I was a bit busy, but I saw it today, and uh, and, and I liked it I mean, with reservations and so on. But, I mean, why were people so puzzled by it, do you think? I think they thought it was bitty, which it was a bit. You know, but it was supposed to be like that. I think a lot of people were looking for a plot, and there wasn't one. <laughs> but I mean the, the the aim thing is interesting. I mean, did you have a point in mind when you? I mean some, I mean some point to get across the tour when you do this? No, see, that's the trouble. It seems that you've got to do everything with a point or an aim. But we tried this one without anything, you know, with no point, no aim. It's like, you know, we make a a record album, and all the songs don't necessarily have to fit in with each each other. You know, they're just a, a selection of songs. But when you come to making a film. I don't know, you seem to have to have a a thread to pull it all together. We thought that doing a mystery tour, you know, it all happens on a bus to this group of people, would be enough of a thread. And then calling a magical mystery tour, which like a firm advertises a magical mystery tour, and you go on it, and it really is magic. Then anything might happen there, and it wouldn't have a thread It was magic to get serious for a moment.
4: They disregarded all the rules and conventions in making it, and therefore suffered the consequences.
6: There's a couple of main things that were really uh, hashed up about that. One was that it was in... We made it in colour. You know, it was a sort of colour thing. And it was put out, first of all, in black and white. So there's whole big sequences that you couldn't understand, you know, because they looked... I saw it on the telly, and it just looked mad, you know, in black and white, because there were sequences where the colours changed, you know. know, So, I mean, that was a bit daft. The thing itself was... uh, we just did it off our own bat you know and i think it was put on like the wrong time on telly when everyone's expecting sort of christmas extravaganzas and we put on this mad film tell you what, i think it's going to be in about 10 years time it's going to be one of those films you said let's have a look at that again and it'll be like an old uh, you know sort of like a like a rock around the clock in them mm-hmm. you know now they look better than they did then because they get some of the nostalgia and stuff at the time it was just a bit sudden, and it was a bit
1: sort of too great, but I still like it, as a thing. And that brings the year 1967
12: to a close. Lulu claimed the year's most popular record with To Serve With Love.
7: To Serve With
12: Love The Monkees making a solid showing with four of the year's biggest songs.
13: To a daydream
12: Box Tops delivered the letter for a first hit. The only days
7: ago, I'm a-going home. My baby used to hold me a letter. I don't care how much money I gotta spare. Got to get back to my baby again. The only days ago, I'm a-going home. My baby used to hold
12: me a letter. And Frank Sinatra getting his first gold record, assisted by daughter Nancy as they sang Something Stupid.
11: Then I go and spoil it all by saying something
7: stupid like I love
3: you. One song that Paul wrote and sang, The Fool on the Hill, became a pop standard covered by a number of singers. Here's Pet Clark's version. a different treatment by Sergio Mendez. Once again with Paul.
4: Apart from the film, 1967 was a good year for the Beatles. Artistically, the rave reviews were still coming in over Sergeant Pepper. They had lost their manager, but had found consolation with the Maharishi. And as individuals, they had begun at long last to put their lives, homes, and organizations into some semblance of order. Coming up in a moment,
3: meditation and Corporation.
0: or to contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at yesterdaypod on Twitter and search Yesterday Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time.
9: everyone. Paul and James here to tell you about one of the best music podcasts online today. It's called Take It Away the Complete Paul McCartney Archive Podcast. Yeah, as longtime listeners of our show know, Take It Away and its hosts, Ryan Brady and Chris Mercer are the authority on all things Paul McCartney, Wings, and the Beatles. Their five-star rated podcast walks you through every single Paul McCartney release from 1970 to present day. That's every song on every album, including singles, B-sides, bootlegs, and you will most likely hear songs you've never heard before which is part of the fun of the show you'll also hear old favorites from new perspectives all lovingly placed in the context of McCartney's career and the musical sounds of their era yeah and don't miss the amazing interview with Denny Lane co-founder of Wings and McCartney songwriting collaborator as well as a slew of other special guest appearances that give some really cool insight into the music that spans the last 50 years. So if you're a McCartney fan, you've found your new favorite show, because I know I have. Seriously, I never miss an episode, and neither should you. That's Take It Away, the complete Paul McCartney Archive podcast, available for download now wherever you find podcasts. Check it out now! I'm Paul Kaminsky. And I'm James Kaminsky. And we are the co-hosts of the Third Men Podcast. We are a Jack White history podcast where we go over the white stripes, Third Man records, the list goes on. And occasionally, we do a funny voice or two. So you're going to probably want to get used to that. Or turn it off. Whatever your preference. Or whatever turns you on. <laughs> hey now. You're an all-star because occasionally we'll do an all-star. Podcast. We did do an entire Smash Mouth episode once. That is true. We are every other week on Wednesdays, and we are available on iTunes and really wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so why don't you come on and find yourself a little home here with us? We promise we'll be weird roommates. If I want to do the dishes without my pants on, that's my deal. That was weird. See, we weren't <laughs> even lying. <laughs>